Ronnie, what a treat to have you on. Hey, Nikki. Hi. <laughs> you are an optimization coach specializing in trauma and addiction, and you are the author of an incredible book called The Addiction-Free Lifestyle, The True Path to Inner Peace and Self-Mastery. I will tell you from reading it, it is brilliant. So science-based and full of inc- a lot of research. You must have been working on that book for a long time. Yeah, it's like the book took eight eight months, and I just like ran through it, but it's really like 15 years in total. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, I can't wait to get into your journey. We are going to discuss the dopamine system and how it affects our choices, and then, of course, how to control mm-hmm. our impulses. Mm-hmm. I need your help with that one. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so, but yeah, take us on your journey. What led you here? Yeah, so there's a lot of different milestones in the journey. Um when I was four, I was brought into martial arts. So I, I always tell people that I was raised in martial arts because that was really central to my background, you know, as a martial artist, a high performance athlete. And when I was 18, I had my first knee injury, which led to a knee surgery. And, you know, I've broken bones. I've had three broken noses, broken toes, like broken arm, like broken wrists, like, you know, just the run of the mill stuff, you know, when you're a fighter and an athlete and no big deal. But I never had like a surgery that sidelined me. And I was pursuing a professional career in Taekwondo. I was an Olympic hopeful. I was running a martial arts school as the head instructor at the same time. And so that was a major pivot point for me because for a year, I was instructed not to train by my coaches. And so I had to find other ways to regulate my energy. And then I went more into Eastern philosophy, developing my mind, a lot more meditation. Um, And then eventually I was able to get back into competition. But I started learning about rehabilitation, um, corrective exercises, to start working on rebuilding the tendons and musculature around the knees and really just learning about how to heal my body from an injury. And so that was the first crack in the door into the healing arts. And then I had another knee injury in surgery about three or four years later. And then that really, by that time, it really opened up a a big door into the wellness community. And uh, first it was about sports performance, you know, how to optimally perform by what I eat, what I drink, how I operate my life. But then I got really fascinated with just the whole world of holistic health. And that was a huge like turning point in my journey from becoming a professional athlete to becoming a professional motivational health speaker. And um, so I got really fascinated with the healing arts. And so I got into, originally I got into the raw food diet about 12 years ago. And that was a massive catalyst, completely changed my life. It actually changed my consciousness. Wow. It changed my attitude, my personality, how I looked at things in the world. And it also revealed to me what was going on behind the scenes, particularly in the medical establishment, the pharmaceutical corporations, um, the genetically modified um, foods, co-opted operations going on, looking at food and agriculture, looking at environmentalism. It just really connected me deeper with our food, you know, as a starting point, like really understanding what real food is. 
And then <clears throat> I, um, because I actually was involved in the medical world doing HIV testing, that's a whole other kind of side story. Um, so I was really deep in that world just by osmosis. And as I was going through my own consciousness awakening through the raw food diet, through cleansing and detoxing my body, I started to see things I didn't see before. I, I was working in an emergency room. I saw people of all different spectrums of conditions, diabetes, type 1, type 2, people on dialysis, people morbidly obese, um, cancers of all kinds. I have seen people transition out of their bodies, um, you know, uh, so many things, you yeah. know, people coming in with like gunshot wounds and, Oof. you know, just all the things that go on in that world that most people just are never exposed to. And so it was interesting that I feel like God planted me there because that was just a side job. Like, mm -hmm. so I felt like God planted me there as I was going through this like awakening for me to see what was really going on in that world. And then of course it's like the pill for every ill subscription. You come into the hospital, you have any kind of aches or pains, then they have a, you know, some kind of painkiller pain or, you know, antibiotics for anything, whether Everything. it's a viral or fungal infection. Here, let's take an antibiotic. Let's see if that works. Yeah. You know, it's a different pill for any ill kind of uh, model. And so I was just waking up to this. And then that started to inspire me to go deeper into alternative healing. And, and then so that, that, that opened up a, about a 10-year rabbit hole where I became a professional nutritionist and a motivational health speaker and speaking all over the country and um, writing books on nutrition and healing and various topics around health and transformation. And that just became my obsession. And, um, yeah, so, I mean, there, there's a lot in that story, and there's been a, a lot of stories that I could tell. But my main focus has been for the last 10 or 12 years, it's been um, nutrition, natural foods, nutrition, healing with nature first, and then also um, customized supplementation, herbalism, detoxing and cleansing the body, clearing out the slate, and then rebuilding the body, creating a new foundation for the body so we can be in an optimal state of body and mind and spirit. And then over the years, that started to integrate with developmental psychology, um, emotional intelligence and emotional healing. Um, and that, that's how like the trauma thing came into the picture, because, I, I, you know, you come across this stuff when you're in the healing world. It just became more of a focus for me over the last three or four years, especially the last two years, as I went deeper into my own trauma healing yeah. um, through many different life events. And then it just became clear that this was now going to be the next phase of my message, really speaking on things like stress and trauma and addiction, which is so relative to all of us. Yeah. You know, not everyone experiences a cancer, although right. most of us, if we haven't experienced cancer, we probably know someone who has. Yeah. But we all experience stress. We all experience some form of trauma, whether we know it or not. And we all most likely have or have had struggles with addiction. And that's a lot of how the book came to be. I love it. Yeah, I always say that every one of us have had a great 
grandparent or even our grandparent that has been through at least a depression, a war, a famine. In my case, it was a Holocaust. Mm. And those traumas pass down and they come through in the form of anger and Mm. blame and shame Mm. and guilt and Mm -hmm. the whole long list of core wounds, abandonment, betrayal. Mm. Right. And um, yeah, speak to that, please. Yeah. Well, what you're speaking to is the epigenetic factor of, um, of, in this case, trauma. So for example, um, the study of epigenetics is essentially the transference of genetic signatures. We might call them emotional deposits that get transferred generation to generation. So we take on the imprints of our parents, but more actually, more specifically of our grandparents. So genetically, for whatever reason, it seems like it has more of a propensity to skip a generation. I don't know exactly why that is, but that seems to be in the literature, the commonality. So we might take on traits or even physical genetic dispositions or advantages that our grandparents had. Interesting. Yeah, and and so the trauma that you're speaking about, that actually, the unresolved trauma or the emotional deposits of that, even the belief systems can transfer over to us. And then, of course, there's the more practical side of like what we learn and adopt and model from our parents' behavior that we grow up and the, the different things that we experience as a child where we don't have the processing ability to really know if our if our mom or dad is stressed or upset or they have something going on and then maybe they speak to us in a certain tone or they're absent and as a young child we can take on or we can we can interpret those experiences <clears throat> in in different ways depending on what our disposition is if we're secure insecure anxious avoidant um we can interpret that in a, in different ways as safe or unsafe. And if we don't get the, the right guidance, you know, growing up, then we can actually internalize that. And then that plays out in our later life until we actually learn how to deal with it. Yeah. I learned at Hoffman that from zero to seven, your brain takes everything personally. Mm. And in those ages, you're really dependent on your parents to handle and take care of all of your needs, right? Mm-hmm. Especially as an infant, you can't even get a blanket if you're cold. Interesting. And then yeah. if your parents are busy or stressed or like you're saying, they're just momentarily not available, our mm-hmm. brain will actually take that personally. That like, ma- Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I'm not good enough to get my needs met. Mm-hmm. And then we mm-hmm. seek evidence to confirm that belief throughout life. Mm-hmm. Is this the core kind of root core of what leads to addiction, would you say? Um, yeah, I mean, and it's, it's one of them. Okay. The, the addiction can happen for so many different reasons. Um, but from a, from a trauma perspective, it's essentially the attempt to meet an unmet need, an unmet emotional need, right? So to your point, like if, if we have this this whatever happened to us or whatever uh whatever need that was not met if there's a void there it creates it it can create this lack of safety so essentially it's always trying to find safety even if the the coping mechanism outside of us is you know detrimental and actually doesn't provide safety it might provide temporary safety in the sense that we feel pleasure we feel like comfortable um, 
we don't know how to feel uncomfortable. We don't know how to be with our feelings or the discomfort. We've never learned how to regulate ourselves. And so from that perspective, yeah, that, that kind of creates like a downstream effect over time. Yeah, I hear that. For me, it was uh, when I was heavy on the drinking, uh, it was to quiet the inner critic. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's to silence that inner critic and just be free again. Right. And that's why I turned to the alcohol. And then, I mean, even to this day, I I don't, alcohol doesn't call me anymore. Thank goodness. I've kind of done enough work to get (laughs) over those limiting beliefs. But Mm -hmm. um, I still, if I get triggered, I I want a joint. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I want my marijuana. Yeah. Um, And I would love to not have that response. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I can control it now. I go for a walk. I, you know, have my alternatives. But yeah, Yeah. there's still that like trigger response Mm -hmm. desire. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that that's key. So, like with any any impulse control, it's it's seeing what what are the what are the internal and environmental triggers, and then being able to track where your mind goes in response to the physical sensation, right? And it's it's if you're if someone's really looking to override that or overcome that then it's instead of avoiding the trigger, it's best to actually engage with it so you can get a handle on it and you can track it so you know exactly what it is, right? So if somebody is trying to get away from alcohol, then there's certain associations that they have to it. You know, it's social, you know, going to the bar, um, you know, medicating some kind of internal state like you're speaking about. Just knowing what that trigger is, is key. Um, and then, then there's also, you know, there's, there's also the biochemical side of it, the, the neuro, the neurological and biochemical side of it. So another thing is understanding your stress response system. And this is something I talk about quite a bit. So understanding what your flavor of stress is. So do you tend to fight to flight or to freeze? Hmm. And that's something that's really important to track. Right, because a lot of times we try to suppress our stress and just keep it down, or or try to regulate our breath work all the time, um, and that's really great. But we also have to know what is our propensity with stress. How does it manifest itself? How does it tend to express itself in different situations? Um, and then from there, why is that important? Well, it's important because we need to know ourselves. Okay. We have to actually get a handle on ourselves because we're the one doing what we're doing. Right. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yep. <laughs> yeah. So like if I have an impulse towards something, that's my impulse. Yeah. Like I have to own that impulse. And then once I own that, it actually, you know, through acceptance, like, okay, I, this is mine. This is my response pattern. And then from there, there's like this relief that happens because now I'm not avoiding it. I'm not pushing it away. I'm accepting this is a part of me. And then from there, it starts to almost reveal itself like, okay, cool. Then it starts to unlock and then show you, you know, what's behind that. Yeah, it's like the first step is awareness. Like for me, it's my mother would trigger me. She'd say something that would make I, it would trigger a sense of not feeling good enough inside mm-hmm. me. And then boom, I want a marijuana mm-hmm. instant, instant like shift <laughs> with the, um, the feeling of not good enough. Yeah. It was like, I'm not doing enough. I'm mm-hmm. not, I'm not enough somehow. Mm-hmm. I'm not creating mm-hmm. enough. I'm not moving fast enough. Did, did you feel like, um, 
did you did you have a the way that you tried to cope or deal with that was it to like do too much or do enough to get approval definitely seeking external approval um i was raised by her alone pretty much and and she Mm. was hypercritical of Mm. everything and so Mm. anything i did there was like a a comment and my brain her her intention was probably to lift me up and help me support me in doing things something even better but my brain interpreted it as oh another indication is you can't do enough you're like Mm. you can't do it good enough or Mm. yeah Mm -hmm. So mm-hmm. any it, that just continued throughout my whole life, like any indication of that, and boom, I needed to escape. Yeah, because the pressure, right? Yeah, it's the inner dialogue. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, that's um that's a great point because ultimately, so many of these things, these quote unquote addictions. By the way, like like Gabor Mate, Doctor Gabor Mate says yeah. that addiction is not your problem; it's an attempt to solve a problem. Ah, uh, right. And so that's why this is also important to have self-awareness because we have to actually address what's the real problem underneath my poor coping strategy to, you know, to medicate, sedate, and and to tranquilize, you know, the sensation that I'm feeling that I don't want to be feeling. There's There's a deeper problem there that I'm trying to solve, and I just have a poor strategy. This is the best strategy that I've known how to do, and, um... Until I have a better one, this is the best one that I've come up with. Yeah. Yeah. And it's usually because we feel some sort of pressure and tension and some sort of inner conflict. And that's, you know, that's, that's where ultimately it has to lead to integration. And that's something I talk about a lot. We can get into kind of like that process. But it's, it's first for people listening. It's just understanding, like, if you have impulses or compulsive behavior or you feel like you're trying to escape and everything don't judge yourself for it lean into it because there's probably a lot of pressure that has built up in your system that wants to be relieved and that's essentially what these coping mechanisms whether it's the cannabis or the tobacco or the alcohol or the pornography um the social media the you know the working out workaholism um, you know, it's all dosage dependent, of course, but whatever your, your, you know, thing of choice is, it's usually to relieve pressure and stress. And that's what we have to address. Yeah. And then how d- does, is there a difference between whether or not you fight, flight or freeze on you, how you then intervene? <clears throat> um, yeah, there is. Yeah. And, and it's going to be a little different for each person. So for example, if somebody, Let's say, and you can kind of listen to this and feel into it for yourself. If you get stressed and you fight, then you're probably more sympathetically dominant. And the sympathetic system is the hyper-aroused stress system. So that's when it goes from zero to 60 really quickly. You know, if you're in a relationship or you're talking to someone and it just just escalates really quickly, that's a hyper-stress state. Um, that means like you're, you're now, you don't feel safe. You're really defensive and it's almost like you can't even breathe. Yeah. Right. It just, it just gets out of control. Um, if you are like a fight flight, so if you're flighty and you want to run, then that's also a sympathetic state, but it's going in the opposite direction instead of like confronting, you're now wanting to eject and run away. And that's usually like a fear of confrontation, right? Or it's just like, I can't even deal with this. There's maybe too much pressure is built up in the system, carrying too much of a load. 
and then it's like, forget it. I'm just, you know, I'm, I'm running out. the other direction. Yeah, yeah, right. Maybe this has happened in a relationship or two. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> right. And that's a, and these are all trauma responses, essentially, right? Yeah. And then there's the freeze, which is just like the deer in the headlights. So that's a that's a more parasympathetic dominant state where somebody they get locked up and frozen. Like they, they don't know what to do. And I, you know, I've seen this happen. I, I'm sure this, I've done this in different situations. Um, I've seen this happen in relationships where somebody just like freezes and it's almost like they disconnect. There's something inside of them that's disconnecting. And, um, it ultimately, it's a, it's a, it's a need for connection. That's going to solve all of this. Um, but it, but it expresses its way, it expresses itself in different ways. And it's really important to know which one is yours. Cause that will give you an insight into where your operating system is running, uh, most of the time. Yeah. I was raised in the fight mode. My mom's a mm-hmm. fighter mm-hmm. and I then took the opposite approach, which would be to, to flee to run. Mm-hmm. And that's what the marijuana helps me with. Just run. <laughs> Get out of the holes and mm-hmm. check out. Mm-hmm. Um, can you then speak to each one of those on the solution? Um, yeah. And I, I don't want to make it too long, but okay. So just understand again that each one of these is a trauma response. Yeah. So ultimately what it's doing is it's reflecting in real time the trauma signature that is alive, that's coming alive in your nervous system right now. Um, I'd say, so for the, the freeze again, that's a disconnection from self or a disconnection from other, but it's really a disconnection from self, right? So what somebody needs to be able to do in that situation is find connection, right? And then in the, well, actually now when I really think about it, it actually all is the same thing. Hmm. It just might be approached slightly differently. But here's what, here's what I tell people to do. No matter what the stress response looks like, as it's escalating, as quickly as you can, take your right hand and smack it against your heart. Maybe not smack it hard, but like I'm, I'm being dramatic for like, you know, for like the, the um, example of it. Yeah. If you feel it escalating, boom, like put your hand on your heart as quickly as possible and just breathe. Hmm. and just breathe into your heart. And this is really powerful if you're in relationship with someone and there's a conflict arising and you can do that while maintaining eye contact and just breathe because that will, that will create a level of vulnerability and authenticity of what you're experiencing without projecting energy to the other person, um, <clears throat> which will actually automatically create connection. Love that. Yeah. So that, that's something I, I tell people often, you know, because you can't talk your way out of a stress response and that's what we try to do, right? Like we, we try to get logical and rational or we try to explain, but the energy is taking over. <clears throat> so it, the, the energy is actually what's creating the momentum, so we have to de- we have to deaccelerate, and um, that's the best way to do it is by just self-regulating, um, you know, really just f- you're like bringing yourself to that space and breathing through it. Even if you feel like you're having anxiety or anything, breathe through it, breathe through it, breathe through it. Because when you do, you're interrupting the pattern, and you're destabilizing the story 
and you're getting right into your nervous system and you're, you're letting your nervous system know that I got you, that you're safe, we're safe, that we can make it through this moment. Huge. Mm-hmm. That was my mantra for a while. I am safe. I am safe. Because it's in that subconscious thought of I'm not safe. Mm-hmm. I'm, you know, I'm in danger kind of thing that then, yeah, things escalate and you can't even, your brain doesn't even function as well, right? Your prefrontal no. cortex gets <clears throat> cut off. and Yeah. Now, and, yeah. Now you're in your, uh, your midbrain, which is just like your, your prehistoric, like, you know, just fight or flight, like everything is a threat. And when you're, when you're in that part of your brain, you can only think 15 seconds ahead. Oh, interesting. Yeah, the executive center of the brain, which is logic, rational, long-term thinking, that you know that that would be the the impulse control, control center, the risk versus reward, and that that's the center we actually need to be operating um, out of more than not. But most of us, we we get stuck in that midbrain, that prehistoric brain, and we can't see beyond this moment. That's why it feels so intense. And it's almost like time collapses all into this moment. And then we can oftentimes do things that we regret, you know, 30, 60 seconds or, you know, a day later. Right. Amazing. Will you talk about the dopamine system? Yeah. Because that's fascinating. <clears throat> yeah. Why I crave chocolate so much, maybe? <laughs> That's probably, well, that's a whole other subject in itself. <laughs> Chocolate, by the way, is the number one food in magnesium. Ah. Cacao. Okay. Yeah. So th- there's a whole, like, I used to give lectures on cacao and chocolate. Like, that was, like, one of my favorite things. Um, cacao is the most chemically complex food in the world. Really? Yeah. So th- there is a dopamine aspect of it, but that's it's not, like, I don't want to, s- like, simplify it just to dopamine. Like, cacao is actually a really amazing, like, medicinal food. Um, and women tend to crave, especially in their menstrual cycles. I crave it right after a salad. Nice. As soon as I'm done yeah. with my salad, or chocolate. Uh huh. <laughs> yeah. Need it right away. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay. So yeah, the so, dopamine system. Okay. So um, there's there is so much we could talk about when it comes to dopamine, and it's become one of the more fascinating topics. Um, just doing taking people through dopamine resets and creating a course on it. I've just gone so deep into the nuances around it. Um, The dopamine system in the brain literally controls all of your motivational neuro networks. So it controls motivation, drive, willpower. Um, It largely, it, it, it influences our adrenal glands to a large extent, which is the willpower and drive aspect. So if we have a depleted dopamine system, we definitely have depleted adrenal glands and vice versa. And so when people have low energy, they feel lethargic or passive or um, up and down energy, or they can't think straight for uh, sustained amounts of time, Um, they can't remember things, short-term memory loss, um, motivational swings, that's the dopamine system right there. Interesting. Yeah. You said in your book also it's it's self-soothing? Yeah, so so it... Within that system is also what's called the uh, the reward and pleasure uh, system. I, it's like it's really like the best way to explain it is there's a, so in your brain there's a pain and pleasure 
uh, balance. And we always want that to be in homeostasis. Never too much pleasure, never too much pain. It always has to be in a balance and stays regulated. It keeps us kind of in this this balanced state, right? Because it allows us to perceive reality accurately. But if we're too much in pleasure, then we get into kind of fantasy thinking and in these kind of rose colored glasses. And but if we get in too much pain, then that's like the trauma response where everything you see is like a threat and, and you you can't deal with life. Mm-hmm. So we just need to keep that in balance. And what's really interesting about this is that <clears throat> Dopamine is dopamine. First of all, is not the pleasure hormone or pleasure neurotransmitter like a lot of people think. It affects the pleasure centers of the brain, but dopamine actually is stimulated in the anticipation of a future event. Interesting. Yeah, let me say that one more time for people. Dopamine is triggered in your brain in the anticipation of a future event. So just thinking about ice cream? Yes. Well, okay, so check this out. <laughs> yeah. So thinking about the thing triggers the dopamine, which triggers a little bit of a reward signal in your brain. And because dopamine controls motivation, it actually gives you a little boost of energy to motivate you to go out and do the thing. Interesting. That makes sense. Right. And it, so this will connect for people. So, <clears throat> you know, when you have an urge to go do something or eat something or play, act, you know, whatever, whatever thing that you, you probably know is not really great for you, um, like t- smoking cigarette, for example, maybe you get one or two puffs that feel really good, right? You get that nicotine hit, the dopamine baseline gets stabilized. But then as you keep smoking it, it doesn't feel good anymore. In fact, it actually feels worse and worse. Then you need more and more of the thing to feel the same way you felt before. So the trick about it is that dopamine can trick us, or I should say the way that our, our dopamine system has been trained can trick us to desire something outside of us to get the sensation of pleasure and reward and... And the, what we want to do is actually reroute that system. So that's kind of the negative side of it, like like um, immediate gratification, in other words, right? What dopamine wants to be doing for us in a healthy brain is actually motivating us to do things that are going to cause us to exert effort in order to receive the reward. So, for example, working out. Yeah. Right? <clears throat> if, our, if our brain has been trained towards immediate gratification then we're essentially getting the reward signal in the brain from doing something that didn't require very much effort. And there's two things that define something being addictive. How much dopamine it produces in the brain and how easily accessible it is. Okay. So if dopamine is easily accessible, it doesn't require very much effort, then it trains our brain to be motivated by things that drive immediate gratification versus delayed gratification. Right. Speak to that value. Yeah. So if somebody is wondering why they can't think long term or they easily get distracted, um, they can't stick to their goals, 
that's be it's not because you're not a motivated person you're lazy it's because your brain has been trained for immediate gratification as its as its way of of getting pleasure and reward hmm. so what has to happen is we actually have to completely de- delay gratification so that we we when we receive the reward signal it's because we actually did something for it got it that's really hard. It's as really a, hard. Yeah. The, I mean, <clears throat> as a diabetic, I know the things that I'm not allowed, quote unquote, I crave more. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. That's probably the brain's <clears throat> design somehow. <laughs> yeah. Well, well yeah, that, that's the that's the, the challenge. And so so it's also that you, you don't just take things away. Right. You, ha- you have to replace them. Mm-hmm. I, I learned this early on in my nutrition career. Um, I think the phrase goes subtraction by addition. Interesting. Yeah. So, and because, you know, in the diet world, it's like, you can't do this, you can't do that, you can't do this, you need to remove this and this and this. And then there's very few options to choose from. Then people ultimately are going to cave in. Yeah. That's just human nature. So in order to, you know, in order to subtract something of a lower nature, we need to include something of a higher nature. We need to have some kind of replacement. Love that. You said in your book, I love this quote, in order to shift the operating system from immediate to delayed gratification, we must find our own sense of pleasure in the discomfort. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Perfect. So that's exactly what I'm talking about with the delayed gratification principle, because another thing that happens when our dopamine system gets... The the system itself, which is called the dopaminergic system of the brain, the system itself gets worn down and depleted, but the receptor sites, the dopamine receptors get blunted. They get numbed and burnt out. So because of that, we lose the ability to derive pleasure from simple things. Wow. So some people are like, well, I, I just have a low attention span. No, you don't have a low attention span. You have an untrained attention. So essentially your focus has been derailed because you're scrolling on Instagram. You're getting all these bite-sized little little meme wisdom quotes or these little tiny videos or you're going on YouTube all the time and you haven't read a book in 10 years. Hmm. So it's just an untrained mind. We, we have to train our focus again and l- learn to focus. Um, and for me growing up, books were incredibly pleasurable. I was a voracious reader of all kinds of books. So was my mother. Um, I didn't have YouTube back then. You know, I remember when like MS-DOS came out in the early 90s, right? And then like AOL and the, the CD that you got and then the internet came on and it was Napster. I mean, I remember all that coming on, right? So I, I didn't grow up in this, this um, you know, smartphone era, but I do feel the effects of it. And I've had to make concerted efforts in my own life to reroute some of those developing patterns of of lack of focus or laziness or lack of motivation that I didn't have when I was younger. And so anyways, um, yeah, it, it, it causes us to lose pleasure in simple things. You know, mm. even even like, for example, here's a good example. So in cases of porn addiction, there's something called uh, porn-induced erectile dysfunction. Wow. Mm-hmm. And this, it's such a heightened experience. Yeah, it's like they? a hyper, it's a, they call it a hyper, a hyper normal stimuli. Uh. And the brain doesn't have context for reality. 
an augmented reality. So when somebody's watching pornography and as it gets more intense and more diverse and, and more novel and you have all these options that are that you wouldn't have in real life, it floods the brain with way more dopamine or, or the simulation of dopamine, um, which is actually simulating chemically what it would feel like temporarily to have that experience. Interesting. And it's concentrated, right? So that also creates a situation where if a young man or an older man is with a woman in real life, he's not aroused. He's not stimulated. <clears throat> he can't get it up because that, that, that brain-body connection is, has been uh, numbed. It's been blunted. It's kind of like high fructose corn syrup. And like when you get mm -hmm, regulated mm -hmm. to such a high concentration exactly. of glucose that a pecan no, no longer tastes sweet. Right. Right. Perfect example. Yeah. You like numb out your taste buds. And in this case, you numb out your dopamine receptors, essentially. Yeah, that's exactly. Yeah, it's exactly what's happening. Huh. Yeah. Wow. Okay. So how do we get uh, comfortable in discomfort? How do we find pleasure, to in your words, find a sense I mean, of pleasure in the discomfort? I know it's that's how do you do that uh, right. It's it's well, uh, well. This is this is how I've done it. This okay. is what I believe is the real truth. Please, you you have to hmm, well, you have to have purpose, mm. right? Like you can't fake it. You can't just manufacture it and say like, oh, this is great. I'm so I'm 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 you know whatever like I'm I'm finding so much pleasure and joy from this or I'm doing the work. Like there's a difference between doing the quote unquote work um because, you know, because you love it and you know that it's taking you where you want to go and and doing it because you think you need to or mm. you're broken or something, right? And it becomes arduous and just this constant like personal development like never ending never-ending theme, right? Um, they're two different energies. So first of all, you have to actually like have something that you're pursuing, something that you care about that's meaningful. Um, if you're into sports or working out, fitness, martial arts, whatever it may be, yoga, then there's going to be inherent discomfort. That's just part of the deal. Your body has to adapt. It has to develop. Um, there's going to be discomfort. But if you're really into what you're doing, then it then it, it just kind of is part of the deal and you find pleasure in it because you're making progress and your eyes are set on the yeah. on the goal yeah it's more about who you're becoming right. the skills you're gaining than it is the temporary discomfort right and um and that's really the attitude you have to have another thing by the way that dopamine has a lot to do with is your brain's progress marker. So dopamine is actually part of your brain signaling progress, which is why it's connected to the reward system. So you get the, you're, you're, you're supposed to get these little milestones of reward in the brain. So the brain's like, yes, okay, great. Do more, do more of that, do more of that. Um, that that's the whole thing with delayed gratification. Like if you go and work out, you, you got to warm up, you got to get into it, you got to like move through it and then get through that, that tough spot. If you keep moving through it, then all of a sudden you get the second wind. Yeah. Right. And that's, that's the, that's the reward system kicking on saying, okay, great. Good job. Now keep going. Wow. It gives you this extra boost of energy. Um, that's how it's supposed to be. I love it. Yeah. Um, 
There was another piece there that I was thinking about that slipped my mind. It will come. Um, You mentioned also in the book um, about uh, seeking approval, inclusivity, and recognition Mm. and how that can lead to addiction. Mm -hmm. That's fascinating to me. Oh, yeah. Seeking approval, inclusivity, and what was the other one? Uh, um, Recognition. Recognition, right. So I see this a lot with social media. Right. This is really big. And social media addiction is a very real thing. Um, I have a whole thing on the book and that in the dopamine reset program. Like that's that's a whole topic in of itself, especially for kids, right? especially for kids. Totally. They're defined by how many likes they have. It's so sad. Yeah. And the social approval and and the peer pressure and whatever else, cyberbullying, whatever else playing into that. Girls prostituting themselves on Instagram without even knowing what they're doing on TikTok or whatever these app, whatever these like these apps are now. Um, I mean, it's it's crazy. Yeah. So yeah, this seeking approval is is core because anytime we're seeking approval outside of ourselves, we're playing into an addiction addiction pattern of some sort. You know, and that can show up in situations like I'm sure you've had. I know for me, like growing up, like there's you get out of high school and then or maybe in high school, go to parties. It's like I'm not really into drinking, but my friends are drinking. Everyone, the cute girls are drinking. So, okay, I'll have a few drinks. And then it just kind of leads in from there. Right. Um, Versus knowing who I am, knowing my values and my principles and embodying that. And not being defined <clears throat> by what other people think of me. I mean, that, that's also the same exact thing as immediate gratification and delayed gratification. We could go really deep on, into that. It'd be a lot, of, a lot of kind of tangents from the conversation. But there's a, there's, there's a lot that we can unpack with just that. Um, validation, like when we're seeking validation outside of ourself we're always going to lose because we're the only person it's like, it's like me and God. That's the only validation that I need. Everything else is going to be a mirror of some aspect of me, whether it's my light or my shadow, but it's going to be somebody else's perception, their filters based on what they see, you know, and their light and their shadow. Totally. Yeah. And what day I catch somebody or what day they catch me. Yeah. You know, it's like, but that, so that, so that's really important that you brought it up because that's actually the antidote to addiction. Ah, go there, please. Yeah. Self-validation, mm. self-recognition, self-approval, because what is it, wh- like, what, it, what is the draw when I'm seeking outside of myself for anything um, in this case, like recognition, I'm trying to get recognition from others outside of me. That just means I don't see myself. I don't recognize myself. Love that. So in some way I'm hiding and then I'm just playing peekaboo with reality. Ha, I love that. I think that's why the alcohol left my, my body or the desire mm, for it. Mm. Cause I did enough work to start really owning my power and knowing who I am mm-hmm. and loving mm-hmm. myself. Right, right. And so I didn't need to numb out from all this like inner critic anymore because it wasn't it wasn't so loud anymore. Mm, mm, mm-hmm. Yeah, there's always going to be some form of like, are you doing enough? You know, like, yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. But um, really, 
knowing myself and knowing all my value mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. and who I am and how I'm a source of love and mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. and that's always that's my intention is to love and be the light mm. um when I got to that space of loving myself, the desire to be drunk gone mm-hmm. no in no interest mm. I have no interest to be drunk anymore like it scares me now right right. Yeah, it's it's so antithetical to that love that you have for yourself. Yeah, I wouldn't. I don't want to poison my body. That's what, right. Yeah. Right. I don't want to do. I, I take a sip of alcohol now, and I'm like, oh god, this is not good for my poor mm. liver. You know. Yeah, I remember one of my mentors, Doctor Gabriel Cousins. He used to is he he I think is the most successful doctor in in healing um type two diabetes. Yeah, tree, and, tree of life. Yeah, yeah. I've been there. Yeah, beautiful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, he's a, a dear like mentor and colleague, and he would talk about this idea around, you know healing as a as a a means to loving yourself Mm. he's like the reason why you go through the healing process is because you're learning to love yourself so then if you're not willing to heal yourself then you got to ask yourself why don't you love yourself huge do you not feel that you're worth it and that's really that really is the source of it right like if the changes we're not making certain changes in our life it can't come from pressure or seeking pr- approval or validation from anything outside of us. It has to come from a deep yearning to to love ourselves enough to eat organic, to invest in the things that we want to invest in, to make the changes, not because of anything outside of us, but because we're worth it. We deserve it. Right. It's it's the ultimate form of self-love. And and so just speaking to that, like the discomfort thing. Right. It doesn't have to be arduous. It shouldn't be arduous. Like healing actually can be fun in a lot of ways. It should be, you know, if you do it right. Yeah. Right. Dance and play totally. and laugh and meditate. And it's all delightful. Yeah. It could be the best time ever. Yeah. You could heal yourself and have the best day ever. At the same time. Yeah. You know, it, it can happen. Yeah. But, you know, we get so used to, like, we get weighed down and we get into, especially if you're, like, really into the the, the spiritual, conchy community. And then depending on what segment of that you're in, like, and you're just, like, trauma, 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 trauma. You could actually re-traumatize yourself by telling yourself the same trauma story over and over. The idea with healing trauma is that, it's not about recirculating the the story. We got to get out of the story. We got we got to let go of stories altogether and it's just about feeling what's there and then making a different choice. You could actually heal trauma like that um spontaneously. But we get stuck. It's like a spider's web. We can get stuck in the web of it um and actually recirculate the trauma with and think we're healing ourselves. Is it just a matter of making a decision? How do you do it immediately? I mean, ultimately, yeah. You decide I'm not going to behave this. I'm not going to accept that story, I'm, or I'm going to see it, choose a different story. Yeah, you, but you might have to decide a hundred times, <laughs> and that's the caveat. Yeah, it's like you might have to quit a hundred times. Don't quit on quitting. Hmm. And that's an interesting little riddle there too that I've learned in my own experience. Don't quit on quitting if you know you need to quit something. Yeah. 
everybody, and see, here's the thing. Everyone's different. Everybody is their own riddle wrapped up in their own enigma. It's, it's, it, everybody's a little bit different in their, their temperament, their constitution, their psychology, um, what's operating behind the scenes. So ultimately healing of any kind is an investigation into your own blueprint. It's a self-discovery process. Absolutely. What are your favorite ways to self-discover? Oh man. Um, well, over the last couple of years, I, I've been into the, the psychedelic world for the last like 10 or 11 years, but like over the last two years, I've gotten really deep into psychedelic work. Um, so things like MDMA assisted psychotherapy, psilocybin, um, many really deep and life changing ayahuasca ceremonies. Um, those have been like the main things that I've been, I've been working with over the last two years in particular. Um, those are those are some of my favorite experiences, and it's a spectrum. Yeah. Um, but I, I work a lot with plant medicines, um, you know, in, in the right set and setting when it calls to me. Um, that, that's one of my favorite ways to do self-discovery work because you discover things about your psyche and your belief systems and you as a human being beyond your personality and who you think you are and, you know, the stories and all that. Um I've I've discovered things about myself that I, that I knew like innately, but then it became conscious, and I'm actually able to dialogue with myself. Yeah, you know, like I'm able to split the personality and then create a mirror in front of me and have an actual dialogue and coach myself, um, which is you know which is always so helpful. direct conversation with your higher self is what i like to say yeah yeah (laughs) that's what happened to me in my last ayahuasca journey i was Mm -hmm. in colombia sat with some shamans down there over christmas and uh yeah i had this it was like i i connected to my higher self on a level uh, that i then couldn't detach Mm -hmm. it sounds Mm -hmm. so funny that they are even are detached in the first place but um yeah we go into this like automatic operating system right our brains are designed Mm -hmm. to automate as Mm -hmm. much as possible so Mm -hmm. that we can kind of use our energy elsewhere right so anything repetitive gets automated but then the wrong patterns and the wrong behaviors get Mm -hmm. automated and Mm -hmm. and so um these plants give you an opportunity to connect to your higher power your higher self um Mm-hmm. Spirit guides, whatever you know, whatever you need in mm-hmm. order to then kind of see the opera that those automated, automated operating systems yes. yeah. from the outside, and you go, okay, no, I'm not choosing that anymore. And then the work, like you're saying, is to repeat the new way, the mm-hmm. new behavior mm-hmm. over mm-hmm. and over until that becomes automated. Exactly, you perfectly said. Thank that's you. Perfectly said. That's <laughs> that's exactly it too, and that's the simplicity of it. Yeah. But what, you know, the challenge is what's simple is not always easy. And I want to make that distinction for people. Just because it's not easy or you don't feel like it doesn't mean it's not the right thing. And this is like one of those things that, you know, the the kind of new age is fluffy, you know, like, oh, just follow your highest excitement. Only do what you feel like. It's like, yo, if I only did what I felt like, (laughs) nothing would get done. I actually like I actually went through a spell of that. That's what led me into the dopamine reset when I found when I went through some patterns and some just relationship collapses and stuff. And I just got kind of worn out. I didn't feel like doing much. 
And I allowed myself to, to go through that for a while. But then eventually I got so sick and tired of feeling that way that I had to force myself into momentum. Because what happens is we create, we either create an upward momentum force or a downward momentum force. And so following the energy of where this energy is taking me, it's like, ooh, this is not going to get any better. If I stay here, it's actually getting worse. So I need to like take a hold of the steering wheel and I need to reroute before we hit an iceberg. Right. You know? Yeah. Uh, Final question came in from my girlfriend, Kristen Kilmer. I love you. She wanted to know what your favorite coping tools were when you get triggered. Mm. (sighs) Tobacco was a big one. Okay, but I don't want to promote that on this show. So what else you got? Oh, I'm so, oh, ha, ha, ha. Oh, she, well, I thought she was asking me what my, like, what the, what the, the addictions were. No. Um, <laughs> what are some healthy That's coping hilarious. mechanisms? Okay, well, there you go. Um, yeah, great. Uh, well, breath work is really helpful. Yeah, huge. Breath work is really helpful. Um, but breath work's not really, to me, breath work is just like a... Um, it's like a, it's like an accumulative training modality. I use it as a way to train my nervous system to operate at a new capacity. Um, I feel like for me, running, I'm a you know as an athlete, like running was always like my favorite way to meditate and to mentally process. Because when I get out on a nature trail and I have music in my earphones, like I just zone out. And it's just me and the the journey. I'm just going on like a five-mile journey for the next hour and a half. And that's one of my favorite ways, my coping and regulation tools, working out, lifting weights, doing martial arts. Um, You know, it it depends, too, because it's also what, what I need. And I'm really in tune with that now. So sometimes I need that, like, stoic warrior kind of, like, just me and whatever focus. That sometimes I need to be held. Mm. And so I have, you know, beautiful sisters in my life that can hold that space or certain brothers if I need more of a loving masculine energy. Um, And I'm more in tune with that now. And I have more of that now. And there's been so much healing community wise um, where, you know, I can lean into those spaces and I hold those spaces, too. So um, I, I really find the value of that, like community co-regulation is so important because we can learn to co-regulate ourselves and that's key we need to know how to regulate ourselves that's a superpower and it's also really important to learn how to co-regulate with other people because two when two nervous systems come together it creates this magnetic harmonic energy field and then there's there's just this really powerful effect that happens. It can actually repattern somebody's system from feeling unsafe or abandonment issues or or internal disconnects that they might have developed in previous relationships or in childhood. And it can help to repattern that and heal those gaps um, because we need people. We need each other. Um, we can't just be isolated and be by ourselves. So. Um, that's been like super powerful. I love that. How beautiful. How would you advise, um, a man going Mm. through maybe these core wounds, Mm. not necessarily knowing what the core wound is, but feeling really alone. Mm. Mm -hmm. Um, 
I understand that men like to go into their cave to yeah. solve problems. So how do you how yeah. do you get someone out of their cave and seeking help and guidance and support? Well, it's always unique to the situation. Of course. You know, I always have to talk to somebody. But um, I think for men, one real practical tool is, like, get your hormones checked. Oh, Get your get your testosterone levels checked. Get your free testosterone, your DHT testosterone, and, and get that checked to see where your hormones are. Because a lot of times, this same thing with women, but with men, a lot of times their testosterone can be low, and that can lead to a lot of motivational and energy issues, self-esteem, just not feeling vital or energetic in their body. Interesting. And we might think that it's like this whole emotional thing, or it's like, I need to heal another wound and another wound, and how much more work do I even need to do? Sometimes it's just biological, because we live in an environment that's so toxified and polluted yeah. with xenoestrogens of all kinds, which are actually inverting what's called androgen hormones, male hormones, like testosterone and and human growth hormone, they get inverted and turned into estrogen, which, by the way, is the number one reason for both breast cancer and prostate cancer. Oh, interesting. Yeah, so that's something that just came to me right there. It's (laughs) like for any men listening, like if you're you're feeling lethargic, especially if you have like a belly, Right, that's an that's an estrogen dominant symptom. Really, the pot belly. That, yeah, yeah, huh. yeah. I thought that was too much meat. <laughs> well, it's too much something. I mean, it's, it's. I'm like, it's not stuck salad. Yeah, it's it's probably all. It's it's probably what it is. It's probably well, I, what I know it is. Okay. It, it's it's fermentation. Interesting. It's food combining. Yeah. So it's like maybe it's the meat, or maybe it's like factory farm meat combined with like buns and fries and, and milkshakes and yeah. carbs and. Yeah. And God knows what else. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. You have a 30-day dopamine reset course. You want to share a little bit about that and how people can access it? Cool. Um, Yeah, so it's the ultimate 30-day dopamine reset course. And it's a 30-video program. And it also has has a 30-day dopamine reset protocol built into it in a PDF. And I just recorded all of these videos to give the most in-depth and the most insightful and comprehensive, um, you know, series of explanations on all topics related to addiction, dopamine, obviously. Um, I go into a lot around trauma. And then I also go into specific topics around tobacco, cigarettes, coffee, caffeine, cannabis, um, emotional numbing, escapism, social media, dating apps, video games, like... I go into all this stuff and then there's like, there's just a, it's basically a transformational program context as a dopamine reset. And what I found in 2020 uh, is when this really started coming online for me, I started taking people through online guided dopamine reset programs. I think I've taken at least a hundred people through in that year and the results were astonishing. Like I knew it was going to be powerful, but like I didn't really know how powerful it was going to be for a lot of people. And I mean, I had so many testimonials of people saying that this completely changed their life. I've been trying to quit coffee. I've been drinking coffee in the closet for years. And yeah, you know, (laughs) and just like, you know, and, and the sugar, the social media, pornography, and they just could not, they could not knock it. And I understand, you know, I understand how that is. And so after going through this program, 
they they were able to move through that in a lot easier than they thought because there's an entire supplemental protocol for brain stability, for the nervous system regulation, blood sugar balancing, um, for rebuilding the dopamine and serotonin uh, receptor sites. Um, There's an entire lifestyle guide that's targeting how to maximize your waking and sleep cycles which is another really critical thing for this. You actually, you need to, you need to understand how to, how to regulate your sleep cycles. And there's, and I have a whole kind of framework for how to create a ritual for going into sleep. Mm. It's not just about like, okay, turn off the lights and go to sleep. That doesn't work. That, that, that actually is setting yourself up for failure because going to sleep is like, it's a ritual. It's mm. actually like a ceremony. Yeah. So there's a whole thing on there for like actually going into that portal. I love that. And then when you wake up, having a morning routine that you go into that prepares you for the day. Yeah. So there's, you know, there's these frameworks. And then um, on at the end of April, I'm doing a complimentary four week uh, guided um, dopamine reset for everyone who signs up for the course as a you know four week gift just to support people and it's going to be four live coaching calls and those are really fun to do so awesome all right mm-hmm. we'll put all those links in the show notes cool also how to get your book awesome incredible book thank I you highly re- I really you did a magnificent I was blown away <laughs> I was really surprised I was like wow this is really in depth and scientific and because my brain my brain wants to understand the science yeah and you yeah. nailed it thank you yeah appreciate that any final thoughts that you'd like to share? Hmm. Uh, so in the course, the last video is on plan for greatness. No, it's like prepare, it's prepare for success, plan for greatness, live with integrity. Wow. And I, I'm just thinking about that video because it's such a good video. It was like, and it really was, is really, it really put a, a, a punctuation on the whole program. And that's how I feel about this talk, like plan for greatness. What you plan for is what you reap. Mm. So if you're thinking about success, but you're planning for failure, you're always going to get what you plan for. Wow. So plan for greatness. And all that means is just plan for a vision beyond where you are right now. Yeah. Plan for something greater than than you're experiencing right now or what you're used to. And then just plan for it. Write out a plan. You know, just do one thing at a time. Exactly what I help my clients with. Nice little shameless plug right here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's it's a key to really... Most people, if you ask them what do they want, they haven't even thought about it. Right. And they're just going through life. They're just doing as they're told or as society has kind of built this box on how to mm-hmm. live. And mm-hmm. But to really sit down and question, what do I want? What, what am I here for? What do I want to achieve? What do I want to... Mm-hmm work towards mm-hmm. what do I want to what impact do I want to make mm-hmm. uh, and it's fascinating where you just put a little bit of thought into it how much will open up and like doors open the people show up the money shows yeah. up everything all of a sudden comes in to support you on that vision but you got to get clear on it first well here's the trick I've learned about that yeah the reason why it's so difficult cognitively mm-hmm. is a because the dopamine system actually is depleted because that's the motivational network, but it's deeper than that. It's actually because it actually confronts you with the things that you know you need to stop doing that are getting in the way. Mm. 
Our addictions are actually the barrier to our dreams. And I'm going to say this for everyone listening. Hear me when I say this. If you made your purpose right now nothing but removing those things, and we all know what they are. If you made nothing but your purpose the next 30 days to remove those addictions, those habits, those self-sabotage patterns, and that's all you did, I guarantee your life would change. Things would actually flow into your life far greater because now you don't have a barrier to entry because that's the last piece is live with integrity. Yes. You actually have to live with integrity in order to receive what it is that is awaiting you. It's kind of like it's like, um, you know, I believe in God. You know, I, I, and whatever that means to anyone, like, that's fine. But I, like, I know for me, I, I, we're, we're in dialogue and it's been made very clear to me that everything is there. It's not that I have to go out and earn it all. It's that I have to earn the next version of me by being in integrity and alignment with that version of me who naturally just does the things that that version of me does, if that makes sense. Yeah. And, and that means I, I also get to remove the things that are not in resonance with that version of me. Yeah. The integrity bit is important, and it's integrous with your own word, right? And it's for yourself. It's for yourself. It's not, not for anybody for else. For anybody else. It's that when I say I'm going to be somewhere, I'm there and I'm on time. Mm-hmm. And when I say I'm going to do something, I do it. And, um, because then you, it's, it, you're creating self-trust. Exactly. I can trust exactly. myself. Exactly. Right? Yes. And when you can trust yourself, then you can have faith that you can accomplish anything. Bingo. Mm. Yeah. You don't even need to believe in God. Yeah. God doesn't care if you believe in, in him, her, it anyways. It just, it's all that matters is you believe in you. Yeah. And you just nailed, you just, I'm so glad you brought that in. Cause you just, you, you, you exactly, that's exactly what it is. If people are like, well, I don't, I don't feel comfortable, confident and, and you know, I don't feel safe. What is this whole, I don't feel safe thing about what that's really about is for, I don't feel safe. Oh, okay. Interesting. So then there's something inside of you that doesn't feel safe with you. With me, right. So exactly. then I must not trust myself because maybe I've promised to do things too many times and I didn't follow through. So I actually don't trust myself. Mm, yeah. So then, then I get to like, I get to change that. Yeah. And it could be from, I don't trust myself. Like I realize that when it comes to just looking in the mirror and my brain right away, focusing on something that I don't like about my body Mm -hmm. and my body can't trust me. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Or, um, like the, the, the not good enough thoughts, right? Like I I can't trust myself to be kind to myself. Mm -hmm. Like how can I trust other people to be kind to me? Wow. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, these are that's these big. Are deep. That's deep. deep. I know. Yeah. <laughs> all right. So uh, it sounds like you've challenged us all to a thirty-day challenge. What can you give up for the next thirty days mm-hmm. that you know is not serving you? Yeah. Damn it! No marijuana for thirty days. <laughs> I got a whole protocol on that one yeah. too. Oh yeah. You know, it's um, sometimes. Uh, sometimes I use marijuana to escape. 
and I mm-hmm. know it when I do it. Mm-hmm. And other times, honestly, it is a communion for yeah, me with totally. God. And I commune yeah. with nature, and I, I need like a pen and paper. I write business plans. My It just mm-hmm. unlocks creativity mm-hmm. for mm-hmm. me. So I think it's defining and it's being a plant, really clear. That's right. It's a plant medicine. Yeah. It's in the category of plant medicines. Yeah. Um, but it, getting clear on why I'm using it. Is yeah. it to escape or is it yeah. to expand? Yeah. And and in those mo- moments where it's to escape, I, I want to choose differently. I choose going for a walk. I choose calling a friend. Yeah. What I, what I found with these things, too, is like same thing with coffee. It's like if you're just waking up and drinking coffee just to be drinking it, you have a drug addiction. Hmm. But if you're intentionally using coffee and you have about a three, two to three hour like window like then if you're using it and you're going into like work mode like I don't really recommend this for most people but some people can can thrive on on the right dosage mm. so it, it's it's the it's the thing plus the the utility like what you're using it for and actually doing it right in that case then you know then go for it if that works for you um, but the problem is when it just becomes a habitual thing that we do without any purpose. Or intention. That's right. Yeah. 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 Love it. Ronnie, such a blessing. Thank so you for sharing So much fun. Thanks for wisdom. having me. Yeah. Thank you. Oh, you guys, thanks for tuning in. I hope you got so much out of that as much as I did. I love you guys. That was so fun. Please subscribe if you enjoyed that too. And leave me a review on Apple iTunes so I can move up into the new and noteworthy section. Ignore the fact that it still has my old Nikki-tastic cover page. Apple does not seem to respond. Weird. <laughs> also, I am starting a mastermind I'm super excited about. It. I'm bringing together some amazing powerhouse people to step into their absolute fullest, highest potential and make a big impact. So if that's you, if you feel like you need some clarity, you have potential, you just need a little clarity, maybe some accountability and guidance and the support of an amazing group of people, that is definitely something to consider. Please reach out to me. I'm uh, taking applications now to make sure that you're the right fit for this program. And you will also learn how to use your body to make decisions and how you can use this vessel to attract what you want and tune in, tap on how to use literally your, the senses in your body and your body's natural attracting abilities to create and manifest exactly what you want and then we'll also expand on your vision and make it bigger and better and brighter than you could possibly fathom and then create the team to help you get there so really powerful mastermind coming up soon so reach out to me if that's of interest and also reach out if you're interested in one-on-one coaching i'm here to serve and help you grow to like i mentioned that your absolute highest potential and you're here for a reason and there's probably some limiting beliefs or something holding you back and we'll uncover those get rid of those quiet them at the very least and so that you can really make the impact that you're here to make super exciting so i uh, am so grateful that you listened all the way and i really appreciate you please also contact me with feedback i am here in service of you so if there's any topics you'd like to learn more about if you have any questions or concerns please 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 reach out to me directly i am here and growing with you on this journey all right thank you so much you guys i love you